0: Good morning, LifePoint Church. It is so good to be with you and to worship with you all this morning. I hope that you had a fantastic week and that you've had a restful and restorative weekend. I want to say hello to all of you uh, joining us online as well, or maybe you're listening to the podcast later on in the week. I want to say uh, a very happy hello to you as well. Uh, For those of you I haven't met, my name is Brad Linder. I'm on staff here at LifePoint Church and believe it or not, we are nearing the end of our summer sermon series called Get Your Life Back. If you've been here at any point throughout the summer, uh, you know we've borrowed the title of our series from the book by John Eldridge. And using his book as an outline for this series, we've been exploring practices that help us discover more of God's presence in our life. Because ultimately, when we rest in and live out of God's presence, we experience life to the fullest. And this morning, I'd like to start a discussion about the hidden life of God in you. And you might notice straight away that in a series about practices, this is not a practice. Uh, It's like I missed the boat on this one. Unlike the other topics in our series like kindness toward ourselves or remembering who you love, it's not immediately clear what we're supposed to do with the hidden life of God. So to help us understand what this means and and really what this means for us, I'd like to start with a story this morning. A few years ago, a man in Scottsdale, Arizona, was planning to move from his home into a retirement community. As he's preparing to move from his current home into a much smaller space, he asks the neighbor to help him clean out some of the junk that had accumulated over the years. While cleaning out the garage, the neighbor found a stack of posters and paintings that had been collecting dust for some time. And then as he's shuffling through this pile, he finds an autographed poster of Kobe Bryant. For those of you who don't know the name, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. The the neighbor returns to the owner of the house. He tells him about the poster and suggests that he could probably get a good amount of money for it. The owner of the house, he's retiring. He has more use for the money than this poster that's just collecting dust in his garage. To find out how much the poster could be worth, he calls an estimator to come out to the house and uh, give him a price for the poster. The poster. The appraiser comes to the home, enters the garage, looks over the poster, and determines this autographed image of Kobe is worth about $300. And and I mean, that's pretty incredible. For something that's just laying around, he's got $300 that he didn't have before. And some of you might be mentally scanning your house. I wonder what else is laying around in my house that I could sell. After reviewing the poster, the appraiser's attention gets drawn to this uh, corner of the garage where there's a stack of other posters and paintings. He asks the owner of the house if he can take a look at the rest of his collection. Now, the owner of the house, most of these posters and paintings he had inherited from his sister, they might have some sentimental value, uh, but he left them in his garage. Obviously, he doesn't think they're worth that much. The neighbor of the house had already flipped through them. He didn't find anything of value either. But the owner of the house, he had no objection to the appraiser giving everything a look. As the appraiser turns over each frame and each canvas, he's so surprised and excited about what he finds that he he writes that he almost fell over in joy. Because in his joy, he finds this painting. Now, if you're anything like me or the owner of the house or his neighbor, you probably look at this and wonder, what got the appraiser so excited? Some of you are even like, yeah, I got six or seven drawings like this at home from my kids. What's the big deal? But, but for people like the appraiser, people who are trained to appreciate the skill of the artist and the beauty of this painting, they know that they're standing in the presence of something Valuable. When the owner of the house or his neighbor saw this painting, they probably see what a lot of us see. What I see is just a bunch of squiggles. But the appraiser could see this is the work of one of modern art's greatest artists, Jackson Pollock. And he tells the man that the, this painting is worth anywhere in the ballpark between 10 and 15 million dollars. Imagine how many times the owner of the house must have walked past that painting to grab a tool in his garage or to get in his car. The whole time he had a painting that was worth more than everything in his house and it was just collecting dust. Can you, can you imagine having something that valuable around you but because you're not able to recognize its beauty or its value, you simply pass it by day by day. I'd like to suggest that sometimes that's exactly how we treat God. Last week, our student ministry director, Ryan Dilworth, exposed the tension that we can experience with God, that even though God is everywhere all of the time, it can sometimes feel like he's far away. We want to hear God's voice, but instead we get silence. We, we can hear stories from other people about how God healed them of an illness or helped someone find a new home. And we wonder, when is it going to be our turn for a blessing? God, don't you see me? Or we might look around the room and see other people worshiping with their hands raised to the sky and wonder, why does it seem like God feels so close to them and yet so far away from me? For some of us, it can feel like God just isn't showing up. It feels like he's hiding himself away. And this is the tension I want to double down on this morning because what if God is hidden? But what if he's hidden in plain sight? What if like the owner of the house and his neighbor who looked at this painting and couldn't recognize its value, God is all around us, right in front of our faces and we simply lack the skill to recognize him? When we read through the Bible, we find this inability to appreciate God's presence happens a lot. In his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul writes, "...for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse." Here, Paul is exclusively talking about people who don't believe in God. He's making the case that God has made himself obvious in creation. And you can almost read a sense of exasperation in Paul's words that he has with people's inability to recognize God's beauty or his goodness when they look at the intricacy of the world. For Paul, there's no excuse not to believe in God. To stand in creation is to have all of our senses struck by our creator For those of us who believe in God we might even share in Paul's exasperation we stand in front of the Grand Canyon stare out into the ocean or gaze at the stars in the heavens and wonder how is it that anyone can look at this and not believe in God We agree with the angels when they declare in Isaiah 63 that the whole earth is full of his glory But how many times do we walk by the glory of God and fail to recognize his beauty or his artistry? When I'm standing in line at Chipotle, I feel the temptation all the time to just pull out my phone and wait till it's my turn. But what if I'm missing out? What if by staring at my phone, I'm distracted from God's beauty all around me or what God is doing in that place? Because yes, God's presence is even in Chipotle, When God feels far away, could it be that He's hidden in plain sight, that He's actually all around us, but we simply cannot appreciate Him? As followers of Jesus, we know, we know that every person is made in the image of God, but how often do we only see their faults and their failures? Or how often do we only appreciate the superficial things about them, their height, their weight, their power, their success? And we fail to appreciate God's fingerprints and God's artistry. How is it that we can look at God's artwork and fail to appreciate the artist? It may feel like God is far away, but... I think sometimes it just takes looking at the person sitting across from us or sitting next to us to see him. For some people, God's presence in creation just isn't enough. I want him to show up big in my life. I want to see him face to face. For some people, I'll only believe in God if he like comes out of the clouds and talks to me in person. But I'm not sure that we'd even be able to appreciate God, if he did appear to us face-to-face and in person. In his gospel account, John writes about two responses people had to Jesus. He writes about Jesus. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There are people who stood face to face with Jesus and could not recognize they were standing in the presence of the Son of God. Like the owner of the house and his neighbor who couldn't recognize the value of the painting they were staring at, there were those who passed by Jesus unable to appreciate who he is. How many people must have walked by Jesus and instead of being overjoyed at the sight of him, kept him in some dusty corner Of their mind. Oh, that's just the carpenter's son. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. But then there are those of us here today that we we have recognized Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he paid the penalty of our sins. When we believe in Jesus, we undergo a new birth in which we receive eternal life and we are known as children of God. Not only is God's presence uh, with us and around us and among us, but when we believe in Jesus, we become united with his spirit. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3.16 that we are God's temple and his spirit dwells within us. Paul writes in Colossians 3.3 that our lives are hidden in Christ, just as yeast is hidden in a lump of dough or a canvas is hidden by paint that seeps into every pore of the fabric. That's the kind of union that we have with Jesus. God's presence isn't just with us and among us. God's presence is within us. But how many times do we cut ourselves down or compare ourselves to other people? What if we fail to recognize the beauty of God's spirit within us because our attention is focused on tearing down his temple or looking to others for our validation? We want God to show up, but he's already there. What if we can't see him because we're distracted by other things? What if God feels far away, even though his presence is within us? Because when we look at ourselves, all we see is something broken instead of this beautiful mosaic that he's creating within us. God's presence is all around us. As believers in Jesus His presence isn't just with us and among us, his spirit is within us. With that, why is it that we still experience this sense of God's absence? Like God is not here, like he's hiding himself away. If God is all around us, why does it feel like he's hiding away? Some people think that God feels far away because, well, maybe I'm just not spiritual enough. Others think that God feels far away because maybe God is mad at them. Maybe God is mad at me and he just doesn't want to be near me right now. For some of us, God feels far away because no matter how good we try to be, we believe that we'll never be good enough for God to, be want, to, for God to want us, to want to be near us. And if any of these describe you, if any of those feelings describe you, it feels like God just doesn't want to be around you. Let me ask you a question. Why is it that the owner of the house and his neighbor couldn't notice or appreciate the value of the painting, but the appraiser could? Why, why do we see squiggly lines, but the appraiser sees Jackson Pollock? It's not because the appraiser is a better person. It's not because the neighbor or the owner of the house did anything wrong. The appraiser is able to see the value of the painting because of training and time. The owner of the house and the appraiser can look at the same painting, and even though they're looking at the same thing, the appraiser has a greater appreciation for the painting. The difference between the appraiser and the owner of the house is that the appraiser has been trained over time to appreciate the skill of the artist He's been trained to notice the difference between a Pollock and a Picasso. Over time, he's developed the skill to tell the difference between a fake and a forgery and the real thing. In the same way, if we're going to be able to notice God's presence with us and within us, it's going to take training and time. God's presence is hidden all around us, but it's, he's hidden in plain sight, and maybe God feels far away just because we haven't developed the skill in order to see him, to notice him, and to value him. My my goal is I want to become a spiritual appraiser who's able to recognize and appreciate God's presence uh, all around us and within myself. And if that's you, if you're like, yeah, I'm on board, I want to become a spiritual appraiser, I want to be able to notice God everywhere and within me, it's going to take training and time the good news is all summer long we've been talking about the training program these are all the titles of our series so far all the sermons that have been preached and our entire series this summer has been geared towards training us to discover God's presence in our everyday lives the practice of getting outside it isn't about exercise or getting fresh air even those are even though those are good symptoms it's training us to recognize the artistry of God's creation, to slow down and cultivate an appreciation for the artist. Allowing for transitions isn't about recognizing that, oh, transitions happen. It's training us to recognize God's presence as we go from one thing to the next. And caring for the neglected places in our soul isn't about self-help. It's about training ourselves to clear away hurts Habits and hang-ups that keep us from recognizing the Spirit within us. If this is your first time here and this is all new to you, I I invite you to go to our website or wherever you get podcasts and listen to the rest of this series. Uh, You don't have to start with all the practices, but I encourage you to pick one. This one, pick, pick one practice this week. And my other encouragement is it probably won't feel like it's working right away. Like, you don't go outside for five minutes and, oh, God, where are you? I got outside, God. Just because we start the training doesn't mean it's going to feel like it's working right away because training, it takes time. I want to be a spiritual praiser. I want to be the kind of person who's able to recognize and appreciate God's presence with me and within me. But there have been times in my life that it seems like there's no amount of training. There's no amount of training that I can do that will help me recognize God's presence in my life. Like no matter how much I get outside, no matter how much I pray or read my Bible, God still feels like he's far away. As some of you know, uh, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder in my early 20s. Uh, for more than a decade, I experienced this de- debilitating depression. I had sporadic periods of mania. Uh, I combined those things with a crippling anxiety disorder, so I was super fun to hang out with. There were days or weeks when I just I couldn't leave the bed, much less leave the house. I mean, the practice of getting outside was not an option for me. The psychological pain was also causing a physical pain. My stomach hurt all the time. My joints hurt. It just felt like I was heavy, weighed down. No matter how much I read my Bible or prayed, it didn't feel like I was getting my life back. If anything, it felt like my life was slipping farther and farther away. And the whole time I'm asking, God, where are you? And some of you may have grown up in the church, you, you've been training, you've been reading your Bible, you've been praying, you go to church, you're a part of a small group, and yet you're still asking the same question, God, where are you? Do you ever look at what's going on in the world or in our country, you look at the news and you just say, God, where are you in this? Maybe you've been trying to get pregnant and nothing is working and you're wondering, God, where are you? Maybe your marriage is struggling and you're wondering why God hasn't shown up to fix it. Maybe you don't have a mental illness like me, but you are a caregiver of someone who does have a mental illness. And caregivers, you're often the silent sufferers because you can't let the person that you're taking care of see how much their pain is hurting you. But the whole time you're wondering, God, where are you in this? It feels... Like, God is so far away. I knew in my head throughout that season that God is everywhere all of the time. But in the depths of my depression, it felt like he was hiding himself away from me. It felt like I did something wrong. And when the pain of the depression and the pain of what I perceived as God's absence was at its greatest, I, I, just, I tried giving up on life on three separate occasions. The point is, no matter how much training I did, I still couldn't sense God's presence in my suffering. The thing I didn't know at the time, the thing I'm so grateful to know now, is that it's almost always difficult to recognize God's presence in our suffering. John Eldridge writes this in his book, "'Suffering in all its forms will slowly erode union.'" If we're not careful, as will chronic disappointment, Satan will use your suffering or the suffering of those you love to introduce mistrust between you and the God you love. You see, he whispers, you are on your own. God's not here for you. He didn't do a thing to help. Sometimes when we're suffering, the the pain or the grief is the only thing that we can see. Our pain is loud and immediate. It is right in front of our face. And as a a friend of mine said recently, God is a gentleman. He doesn't shout. He doesn't yell, even when we want him to. And Satan will use our suffering or the suffering that we see in the world, the daily tragedies that we read about to convince us that that is all that there is. Satan will take advantage of us in our suffering and grief to convince us that not only is God absent, but he was never there to begin with. Satan will use our suffering and grief to try to hide God's presence from us, to keep our attention focused on anything but the God who gives us hope if you're in a season of suffering or grief, it doesn't have to be mental illness. It can be anything, a job change, anything going on. If you're in a season of suffering and grief and you're anything like me, the last thing you want, the last thing that you need is someone telling you that you just need to train harder. (laughs) To this day, I still suffer. Like, I have crazy panic attacks. And there are few things that are less helpful to me than someone asking, have you tried praying for God to take that away? I have never considered that. Tell me more. And and don't get me wrong. I I, I, 100% believe that the practices that we've discussed throughout this series can help us recognize God's presence in our suffering. I I don't want that to be missed. I don't want to suggest if you do them and you still don't sense God's presence that you're doing something wrong and not doing enough. I don't want to suggest that even though these are really good, that if you're doing them and it doesn't feel like it's working, that you're somehow doing something wrong or not doing enough. Because sometimes it's not until we get on the other side of suffering that we're able to see God's presence with us. Reading from Paul's letter to the Romans again, uh, he writes, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There's a lot that Paul is describing here but what what I want to see is the connection between suffering and hope. And the thing I specifically want to take note of is the fact that suffering and hope don't always coexist. They're not always going on at the same time. Suffering plus hope don't equal endurance and character. Instead, suffering leads to endurance. It's the ability to suffer patiently. Endurance then leads to character, things like patience and resilience And the character we develop in suffering leads to hope. In other words, an ability to trust God's presence and love is with us, even when we don't sense his presence or love in the moment. The point is that sometimes we have to get through the pain and suffering. Sometimes we have to get through a season in order for hope to develop. God is Everywhere, all of the time, his love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. But sometimes we can only recognize God's presence in hindsight. Sometimes we can only recognize God's presence in hindsight. Sometimes we need to go through the situation or circumstance to see that God was there all along. If you're here today and God feels far away, if it feels like he's hiding himself from you, I want to encourage you and say that God is closer to you than you think. And you you may just not be able to recognize that he's here with you now until you get some space and you're able to look back. So when I was in my 20s, uh, my late 20s, I I went through a series of treatments, procedures uh, to treat my bipolar symptoms. Um, I had been in and out of hospitals for years. And uh, a few months after these treatments, um, I started for the first time, probably in my whole life, I started to feel the weight of that depression and anxiety lift. And as the months turned into years, Where I couldn't see God before, I could start to see God's care for me and the nurses and doctors that treated me over the years. I could see God's love in my friends Tim and Danny and Michael who patiently sat with me and listened day after day, month after month, year after year. And when I had no capacity to hear about their day, they would sit there and listen. I could see God's presence Looking back, I could see God's presence in my family, my mom, my dad, and my sisters, who never stopped encouraging me, even those times when I could not receive their encouragement. I couldn't see God's presence in the moment. My pain and my suffering was too great. But when I look back now, I see that he was with me in every situation and in every circumstance. So if it, feels like you've been training and training and training. You pray, you read your Bible, you've been going through this series with us, you've been listening to the Pause app or going through the Pause app, praying with the Pause app. And it still doesn't feel like anything's working. Maybe you just need time. Maybe you need to be gentle with yourself and realize that while God may feel far away now, you'll one day be able to look back and see that he was with you the whole time. One of the things about training for me is that I feel like right at the point when we're about to give up, that's that's when God shows us something. And how many times have I missed what God wanted to show me in my life because I I got to that point when he was about to show me something and I I just gave up. If it feels like Uh, getting outside, allowing for transitions, caring for the neglected places in your soul isn't working. Don't give up. Don't miss what God has for you. And maybe the only way that you can develop hope in your situation right now is, is by looking back. Maybe right now you can't sense God's presence in your current situation, but you can look back and see how God has never, ever given up on you. You don't even have, you know, it's not necessarily a tragedy going on in your life. You just don't feel God. Well, look back through hindsight and see that he has been with you and he is with you. And I pray that it's enough to know that one day with hindsight, you'll be able to look back at whatever situation you're in and see just how near God was to you the whole time. The hidden life of God in you. It acknowledges the reality that sometimes God feels far away. It doesn't make us feel like we have to hide that. The hidden life of God in you acknowledges that sometimes God feels hidden, but it also encourages us that he's hidden in plain sight. It reminds us that we are spiritual appraisers That with training and time, we are becoming people who can recognize God's presence in all situations and in all circumstances. With training and time, I 100% believe we will have an even greater appreciation for the immeasurable worth of knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as we become expert appraisers of God's presence in the world, in ourselves, maybe Maybe, just maybe, we'll be able to help other people recognize that the whole earth is full of God's glory. That it's less about where to look than how to look. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, uh, sometimes it feels like you are far away, that you are hidden from our sight. There are times where it's just so frustrating. We want to see you. We want to know you. We want to hear your voice. want to feel your presence in some way. But God, I, I pray that you would make yourself known to us. Not that you're not already in front of us, but that you would train our hearts, that you would train our eyes and our minds to see you. That our ears could hear you. That wherever we go, we become an expert appraiser of your beauty and your value and your worth. Holy Spirit, in this moment, right now, as we prepare to worship again through our song, would you just clear away anything right now, anyone from this room, anything that might be a distraction. Would you train us in this moment to sense you, to see you? Maybe in a, in a whisper, maybe in the beat between lyrics, reveal yourself to us and, and help us to see you. We need your help. Jesus, we're so thankful for the life that you have given us. Pray that you would continue to do work in us, that you would continue to reveal yourself not only around us, but within us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.